Okay, so we are in a series called Teach Me to Pray, and hopefully you got notes out and you can take notes, but <laughs> I can't even believe this. I can't believe this. Teach Me to Pray. So this little boy, um, he told his parents, he begged them, he said, listen, I want a little brother very, very badly, and so his parents told him to pray. So the little boy prayed for one month for a little baby brother. He prayed for two months for a little baby brother. He prayed for three months for a little baby brother. And he saw his mom's tummy was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, so he decided to stop praying. Six months later, his dad took him up to the hospital. His mom was there in a the room. Everything was fine. She was in a good mood. Everything was great. And the dad moved a curtain back, and there was one little baby brother. The dad moved the curtain back a second time, and there was a second little baby brother. Moved the curtain back a third time, and there was a third little baby brother. The dad looked at his son. He said, son, aren't you glad you prayed? Little boy looked at his dad and said, aren't you glad I stopped praying after three months? Okay, let's see if y'all memorize it. Luke 11, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, come on, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom. Give us this day and forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation, for thine is the kingdom. Amen. Okay, I have a question for you. Um, why do you think it is that many Christians just choose not to pray? Like, what do you think the reason is that Christians who know God, who love God, who have a relationship they say with Jesus, why do you think it is they don't pray? Uh, I'm going to answer that by telling you a story. This past weekend, last weekend, uh, Mike and I went out of town. Did y'all enjoy Big Tom? Was Big Tom good? Okay, I, I love Big Tom. So, yay. Well, the lights are still blinking. Anyway, and so um, we went out of town, and one thing we do every year or so is we go and visit a big mega church just to see what God's doing in other churches. We went to two mega churches. One was, um, has a several thousand people in it. It's a friend of mine's church, and service was great. The other church we went to was a church that has over 100,000 members all across the world in their satellite campuses. Um, I really don't care, to be honest with y'all. Like, if it's not working, it, it, don't, it, don't, it don't bother me. And, um, and so we went to this mega church, had over 100,000 people all over the place. And the church service, let me tell you about it, the music was phenomenal. I mean, the musicians were incredibly talented. Uh, the sound was to perfection. Uh, the pastor that spoke... He was an incredible public speaker. I mean, an incredible public speaker. But there were three things that were missing in the church. Number one, there was no prayer. Nobody prayed for anybody. Nobody had opportunity for healing, for miracles. There was no prayer. Number two, nobody in the church worshipped. Nobody lifted their hands. Nobody clapped. Nobody sang. They just stood there in all of the music. Number three, the pastor didn't use any scripture. And he didn't talk about God or Jesus. Now... If you hadn't have told me I was in a church, I would have never known I was in a church. And so the answer to why many Christians do not pray is this. People are okay and content with what is produced in their life with their own strength. In other words, they don't worship because they're in such awe of the talented musicians and singers, they don't need God to inhabit their praises. They're okay with what they're hearing. The reason a lot of Christians don't tithe is they don't want God in their finances because they're doing okay financially. They don't need God's anointing in their finances. The reason a lot of believers uh, don't pray or come down to the altar is because they're very content with what's going on in their life. 
they think they don't need the power of God or the anointing or the healing of God in their life. It's why a lot of us don't pray because we're very content with where we're at. So here's my question. I bet you if you got cancer, I bet you you'd be running down to the altar praying every single Sunday you get. I bet if one of your children got cancer and the doctor said there's nothing we can do, they're on their deathbed, we can't handle I bet you if that happened, I bet you you'd be uh, worshiping God, praising every chance you get, trying to get God involved in your life somehow. I bet if you lost all the money you had and had to start completely over, you lost your job, you had to start all over with a brand new job, you lost your house, everything, I bet you you'd be tithing every Sunday because you want God a part of your finances. You want him a part of your bank account. You want him a part of your business. The truth is a lot of us don't pray because we're very content with the results that we get of our own strength. We're okay. So I am trying to somehow um, encourage you and somehow trying to excite you into spending more time with God each and every week in prayer because you don't know what you're missing. Your life may be okay right now, but I promise you, if you would add prayer to your life and the power of God, things would change. You may be okay with your finances right now, but I promise you, if you will involve God in your finances and learn how to tithe and honor Him, I promise you, things will change. You might not come down to the altar right now very much and not pray corporately or have the elders lay hands on you, but I promise you, if you would start doing that, you would see things happen in your life that go beyond your own strength. There's three different goals for prayer, and we've been talking about this for the past several weeks, but goal number one in prayer, of course, is to want what it is God wants, to want what it is God wants. Um, if I'm very honest with you, I don't want to go to Jamaica at all. I do not like traveling. I do not like living somewhere where there's no air conditioning, and the place we're staying at is in the home of some of the pastors, and, and I'm told that there's lizards that just come walking in the house and that no one stops them. And um, I don't like lizards at all. Like, I don't like caterpillars. I don't like anything that crawls, to be honest with you. But I hear God in my head saying, John Paul, will you do it for me? That's what I want. Uh, you might not want to do it, but will you do this because you love me? So the first goal of prayer is to change our hearts to want what God wants, and we do that through hallowed be thy name. Goal number two of prayer is this, and we're talking about this today, is to find God's will. We do this through the phrase, thy will be done to find God's will it's very important we learn how to find God's will um, Luke twenty-two forty-two. Jesus said this father if you are willing remove this cup from me yet not what I want but what you want here's the funny thing seeing that it's Mother's Day um, don't you agree that as parents we know what's best for our kids that are younger don't we all agree that we pretty much were wiser we know what's best for our kids we're in agreement for that right do our kids want what we want? Yes or no? No. Do they want to work hard like we want them to work hard? No. Do they want to do their homework like we want them to do their homework? Do they want to go to bed early like we want them to go to bed early? Even though we know what's best, they don't want to do it. Here's the funny thing. Our kids actually believe with all of their heart that what they want is best. They really believe that. With everything in them, they believe that what they want is best isn't that so ignorant how could somebody think that when they have a parent that's so much wiser than them that loves them so much that wants them to succeed yet they don't look at us and say mom and dad i want what you want okay that ignorant part of our kids we have the same thing in us when it comes to god we got to believe that god knows what's best we got to believe that his will is better than ours so our prayer should always be this what jesus prayed god this is what i want but if it's not what you want, I don't want it to happen. If it's not what you want, if it's not your will for my life, 
If it's not in your plan for me, then close the door. And when God closes a door, you can't get all upset and all been out of shape. I can't believe this happened, God. I wanted this so bad. Your prayer should have been, God, this is what I want. But if it's not what you want, don't let it happen. It's like this guy that was, um, he was climbing a mountain one day and he was so excited almost to the top of the mountain. And when he was about 20 feet from the top, he lost his footing. And he started to slip back down the mountain. So miraculously, he frantically reached out and grabbed a bush that was hanging on the side of the mountain. And he was dangling hundreds of feet above the ground. And uh, he yelled out. He said, is anybody up there? I need help. And this voice boomed out of the heavens. It was God. God said, yes, son, I'm here. What do you want? The guy said, God, I'm hanging off the side of the mountain. I want you to save me, rescue me. God said, okay, let go of the bush. Trust me and I'll catch you. After a long pause, the man yelled out, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> and listen, that's what our prayer is. like. It's like, God, I trust you. I trust you. Open the door if it's you. But the second something happens that we don't like or that we don't want, we get all upset with God. God, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe you did this to me. We were going to sing it, but it's like that Garth Brooks song. Y'all know Garth Brooks? says sometimes it's called unanswered prayers you can put it on the screen sometimes i thank god for unanswered prayers remember when you're talking to the man upstairs just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he doesn't care some of god's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers some of y'all need to thank god for some of the things that you wanted so bad that god did not allow to happen in your life you have no idea where you would be if god did answer that prayer so the second goal of prayer is to find out what god's will is for our life um, the number one way to know God's will for your life, because there's different ways. The Holy Spirit is one way. Uh, seeking wise counsel is another way. But those never get you to 100%. The only way while we're on earth where you can know 100% what God's will is for your life is with his word. That's the only way you can know 100%. Everything else gives you 70%, 80%, 90%. But the one way, black and white and red, is to know the word of god um, a friend of mine who's a pastor he told me a few weeks ago uh, in confidence he told me that uh, his wife they just found out she has stage four cancer lung cancer she was okay one day and the next day she had a cough went to the doctor diagnosed stage four lung cancer when he told me this he said it's in confidence he said don't tell anybody and, and of course y'all don't know the guy but anyway i said um i said why don't you tell people you're a pastor why don't you put it on facebook you know tell everybody so they can pray he said john paul Christians don't know how to pray he said man most of them will you have no idea the things they'll say and they'll you know the things they'll return with well maybe God doesn't want a healer and on and on he goes and when he said that I remembered um, years ago when my youngest son was um, born he had a malformation in his spinal cord and he went to MUSC and here's a picture of him there um, the doctors told us that he was gonna die they were preparing us for death they said we don't want you to be shocked when it happens you need to go ahead and start planning on it you know get the funeral arrangements all that kind of thing and then one doctor said we're gonna try surgery if the surgery works if he comes through he'll be handicapped the rest of his life he'll be in a wheelchair he won't be able to run won't be able to walk or anything like that and so um, man when they told us that I was scared to death and so I immediately sent out a mass email to hundreds of people that I knew saying here's the situation here's what the doctors are saying we need prayer you would not believe some of the idiotic responses that I got back. One person responded and said, um, well, you know, John Paul, because of your past, we don't know if God's going to be able to heal your child or not because of the things you did years ago. These were Christians. These are Christians. 
several Christians, listen, several of them emailed back and said this, if it's God's will, he'll heal your child. But if it's not God's will, he won't heal your child. Now, I wanted to email back. I might have emailed back this, but I wanted to email back and I wanted to say, you stupid idiot Christian, have you ever even opened up your Bible? Have you ever read where it said God wants to satisfy us with a long life? Have you ever read where it says Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed? Have you ever read where God said, I am the God who healeth thee? Have you ever read any of those things? And so we went back and I was in the hospital room and, and my son's, in, he's, he's getting into a coma. He can't, he's not even breathing on his own. It's so bad. And I didn't know what to do and I definitely didn't know what to pray. So all of a sudden it hit me. I said, you got to pray the word. So I went to the nurse's station and I got pieces of paper and I wrote down every single scripture that I could remember that had to do with healing and miracles and I put Asher's name in it. Here's some of the pictures. Man, they was up all over the room. The blood of Jesus surrounds Asher at all times. Asher will grow in wisdom and favor with both God and man. Asher will have a supernatural healing that no man can explain. Keep going. Uh, Asher is blessed. Everything he does will prosper and succeed. Asher is the apple of God's eye. Asher will grow in wisdom and favor with both God and man. Asher is happy, healthy, and whole. All things work together for Asher because he loves the Lord. Asher will grow in wisdom and favor. On and on. On and on we put it. Man, we pr every time the nurses came in, you should have seen them. There was probably... There was probably 80 or 90 different pieces of paper all over the wall, the bathroom. When they wheeled him into surgery, these pieces of paper and scriptures were flapping in the wind all the way down the hall. It was all around his entire bed. You so they came back out of surgery, and the doctor said, um, he said, you know, it went really well. He said, but y'all are probably going to be here for another three to four months for him to recover. We were at MUSC for three more days, and they let us leave. And Asher's happy, healthy, and whole. I'm coaching him soccer. He plays soccer. He scored a goal last week. <laughs> it says in, it says in uh, Romans 2.18, by reading the scriptures, you know and understand his will. Listen, if you can't find anything else to pray, pray God's word over your life. The people who claim to hear God speak to their hearts, the one who always say, well, I feel like God's leading me to do this or to say this, they're the same people who pray and read their Bible on a regular basis. That's not a coincidence. Praying the Word of God because God's will is God's Word. Isaiah 62, 6. Remind the Lord of His promises. Give Him no rest until He does what He says. It doesn't say to remind God of your problems. God, you know, today I got a really stinky neighbor. My head hurts, my back hurts, and my dog's sick. Thank you, Jesus' name. Amen. It doesn't say to do that. It says remind God of what He promised. Um... Years ago, um, I told my youngest daughter, Sayla, I told her that if she would play the congas or sing in church one Sunday, that I would take her to Target after church, and that Sunday I'd buy her something for $20, $25. So she sang, and she played the congas the best she could. She did such a great job. I had pizza with the pastor that day, meetings after that, on and on my day went. Finally, at nighttime, I'm going to tuck her into bed. It's 8 o'clock at night. And she says, Dad, what are you doing? I said, I'm tucking you in bed. She says, no, 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 no. You said you would take me to Target today if I would sing and play the congas in church. I said, honey, he said, dad, you promised. Now, do you think that I said, honey, let's wait till tomorrow or the next day? Or do you think I said, leave your pajamas on, climb on my back, we are going to Target and buying you whatever you want to? Yes, of course, we went to Target. If me as an earthly father, and I'm that moved when my children tell me what I promised them, for me to get up and leave my house at 8, 9 o'clock at night in our pajamas, go to Target and spend money. If I'm that moved to honor my word, 
Imagine how moved God is to honor his word. Let me give you some examples of things you can pray. Exodus 14, 13, Lord, you said that you would fight for me if I remain at rest. You said it. I didn't say it. I didn't make it up. You said it. Uh, Isaiah 43, 19, God, you said that you can make a way where there is no way. I didn't make this up. You said it. God, right now, I don't see a way, but you said you could make a way. Proverbs 16, 7, when a man's heart pleases the Lord he will make his enemies be at peace with him Lord you said that if my ways please you you would make my enemies be at peace with me Malachi 3 10 uh, when you bring the full tithe into the storehouse God you said that if I would bring the full tithe into the storehouse you would open up the windows of heaven in my life I didn't say it you said it Jeremiah 30 17 God you said you would restore my health and heal all my wounds I'm not making this up I didn't write this or conjure this up in my mind you said you would do this, so I'm holding you to your word. I heard, um, thank you, Loretta. I feel like you're up here in the pulpit with me preaching the sermon. I, I'm, I'm about to hand you the microphone. Um, I heard about this, uh, this true, true story, this couple. They, they wanted a baby so bad, and they tried for six years to get pregnant, and, and no child, no avail. So one day, the wife had an idea. She actually went to her lawyer, and her and her husband drew up a legal contract between them and God. In the legal contract, they stated all the scriptures they could find that pretty much proved God's will for them was to have a baby. Yeah, the contract said something like this. Um, God, um, you said in Genesis 1.28 that we should be fruitful and multiply. God, Psalms 112.2 says that our children should be mighty on the earth. Psalms 37.4 says that when we delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desires of our heart. Lord, you said this. We are presenting this case to you. Our case is based on your word. They taped up that contract in their mirror bathroom, and every morning and every night, her and her husband would read the contract, pray the contract together. Two years later, God gave them a set of twins. One year after that, God gave them a third child. After that, they burned the contract and never read it again. But here's the point. Have you searched God's word to find out what God's will is for your life? If you don't know what God's will is, then you don't know what you're supposed to pray. Because goal number three is this for your notes. To pray God's will from heaven to earth. We get this from thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Um, let me ask you a question. Does God have unlimited power, yes or no? Yes. Yes, he does. Does God know everything? Yes or no? Yes. Um, is God a good God? Yes or no? Does God want to bless us? Yes or no? Does God want everybody to get saved? Yes or no? It says his will is that all men come to know him. Now, not everybody does get saved, but that's his will. Um, let me ask you this. Um, can God do miracles in our life? God's unlimited power is limited in our life based on our faith and our relationship with Him. Our prayers build our faith, and the goal of prayer is for God's unlimited power to be seen in our lives. So let me give you some examples of praying from heaven to earth. 1 Kings 18, Elijah was in the middle of a famine, and in 1 Kings 18, 1, God said, Elijah, I'm going to send rain down upon the earth. Now, Elijah could have said, um, okay, God, God said you're going to do it. This is God's will. God wants to send rain. God's going to send rain. 
So I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch NCIS and I'm just going to wait and see whenever it's going to rain. But Elijah didn't do that. It says in verse 42, Elijah climbed up to Mount Carmel. He bowed his head and he prayed deeply in prayer. Why did Elijah pray after God already said he's going to send rain? Why did Elijah pray after God already said, here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's why. Our part is to pray heaven to earth. Elijah knew the more he prayed, the closer that miracle got from heaven to earth. And so he prayed. And so he sent his servant out. And he told the servant, he said, go climb the next mountain and see if you see a cloud. And the servant went out there and he came back and he said, Elijah, there's no clouds in the sky. Elijah kept on praying. After some more prayer, he sent his servant back up there. He said, go see if there's any more clouds. The servant went, comes back, no clouds. Comes back. Elijah continues to pray. This went on three times. I would have quit after that. He went on four times, went five times, six times. Finally, the seventh time, the servant comes back. He says, Elijah, don't get too excited. But I did see a cloud in the sky. It's so small, it's the size of a man's fist. And Elijah prayed again. In verse 45, it says a few minutes later, it got very cloudy and windy and rain started to pour it down from the sky. Every time we pray, we are moving that angel, that miracle, closer from heaven to earth. Let me give you an example. This guy had a, a huge boulder in his yard that he, he wanted it to be out the way, but they couldn't get any machine equipment in there. So he brought his son out there on the yard with him to work and the dad got a big old sledgehammer. He said, son, watch how strong your dad is. And the father swung that sledgehammer as hard as he could, hitting the boulder, and nothing happened. It didn't crack. It didn't dent nothing. Father hit it again as hard as he could. Nothing happened. This went on for about 10 or 15 minutes till he was completely worn out. So they went back inside, and the next weekend they were out there playing in the yard, doing yard work, and the father got the, the, the sledgehammer and hit it again as hard as he could. Nothing happened. Again, nothing happened. This went on another 10 or 15 minutes. Every weekend for the next three, four, five months, they were outside. The father would hit that rock as hard as he could. Finally, one day, just like he had hit it every other time, he swung as hard as he could and hit the boulder. And man, the thing cracked and crumbled all over the ground. His son ran up to him and said, Dad, man, that was so awesome. You must have hit that rock harder than you've ever hit it before. The dad said, no, I just hit it like I did every time I did, the thousands of times before. What they didn't realize was every time they hit the rock, they were weakening the inside of that boulder, the integrity of it. And that last blow, it didn't break it because of how strong the last blow was. It broke it because of the thousands of times that he hit the rock before. The last hit was just the manifestation of all the times he had swung in the past. Every time you pray on your way to work, you're hitting the boulder. Every time you worship and praise in church, you're hitting the boulder. Every time you come down to the altar, you're hitting the boulder. Every time you're on your way home from work and you're praying the word of God and his will for your life, you're hitting the boulder. Then all of a sudden, one day, you're going to see the manifestation of all those prayers before come to pass in your life. This answers the question, how long do we pray for each situation in our life? Here's how long. We pray until we see God's will happen in earth. Let me give you one more story and I'll let you go. In Daniel chapter 10, it's one of my favorite stories. Daniel was praying something that God wanted to happen in his life. Daniel found out what God wanted and so he prayed. 
and he prayed and he prayed. He prayed for 21 days. And finally in Daniel 10 verse 11, the angel showed up and said, Daniel, you are greatly loved by God. God has heard your prayers from the first moment you decided to humble yourself and set your heart to understand. And I have come to answer your prayer or in response to your words. This scripture is full of deep truth that I want to um, remind you of stuff we've studied in the past several weeks. Number one is the angel came in response to his words, not his thoughts, but his words. Um, the angel came with the miracle the first day, not that Daniel prayed for what he wanted, but the first day he set his heart to pray for what it was God wanted. Now this next verse is very, very powerful. And the first part of this verse is a, a phrase that, 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 that describes a demon or a principality of darkness. In verse 13 it says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the strongest guardian angels, had to come and help me. So here's what happened. Daniel found out God's will. He began to pray God's will every single day. While he's praying, the angel is in the spirit realm bringing the answer to the prayer and Satan does not want God's will to take place on earth. So Satan's opposing the angel day after day. Finally on day 21, the angel arrives and the miracle is there. My question is this. What if Daniel stopped praying on day 20? What if he decided, you know what? I just don't think this is going to happen in my life. I've been praying for my child to get saved every day, and I just feel like, you know what, I'm done with it. He can do whatever he wants to do. I'm done praying. What if Daniel stopped praying on day 20 and a half? What if he thought, you know what, God, it seems like it's too big of a miracle. I know you can do great things, but, man, this is just something way out of your hands. I don't see how, I don't see how you can make a way where there is no way in this situation. And the angel says, you know what, i got to go back up to heaven and start all over again. The angel gets to heaven and God says, what are you doing? I thought I sent you a miracle to go give to so-and-so. The angel says, God, I was so close. I was right there. But they stopped praying. They stopped believing. They thought that what was going on in their life in their own strength was good enough. They didn't need your hand in their marriage. They didn't need your hand in their finances. They didn't need your hand in their, their employees and their relationships with people at work. God, they're okay on their own. Don't let that be you. Our goal in prayer, to want what God wants, to find God's will, and then to pray God's will from heaven to earth. Amen.